linguistic archives. Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And today we get to join Shona Holm as she uh, interviews Aslam Old Coyote, and uh, they're going to discuss, among other things, the people involved and the elements of a peyote session. This was uh, particularly interesting to me because, well, that's a ceremony that I've never participated in. And maybe this is the right time for me to pass along another little thought that I've had. Recently I spoke about the famous Alan Watts quote, Once you get the message, hang up the phone. In truth, uh, well, I have a problem with the statement in that it implies that there's only one message to get. Now, I'm sure that our practicing psychonauts will tell you that there are a great many messages to be gotten. So, where's the middle ground here, you ask? What if we were to change the word message to the word answer? Then it reads, once you've received an answer, stop calling other numbers. (laughs) Here's what I mean by that. Over 15 years ago, I first uh, began participating in ayahuasca ceremonies, and one of the members of our group began trying to convince me to join him in a peyote ceremony. For reasons that I can't explain, it well, it just didn't feel right to me, and so for a couple of years, I politely turned him down each time that he would call and tell me about an upcoming circle. Eventually, uh, well, he became quite persistent and was almost badgering me to join the group. So I took that question about whether I should try peyote, and I took that question into an ayahuasca ceremony and asked Lady A about it, and her answer was very clear. I had made a call, and the call was answered. Messages began to come in through the ayahuasca ceremonies that I'd been taking part in. And what I learned that night was that while there is an infinite number of messages that can come through via a particular substance, What I think Watts was maybe talking about is that once you get an answer from an entity that you trust, well, it's time to quit making more calls. Don't keep dialing. You've got a number now. In other words, I'd found my ally, and it was ayahuasca. There was no need to continue making calls to every new and exotic experience that came my way. And from then on, I even quit using mushrooms. So that's why I never tried peyote. Now, my friend thinks that it's because I'm a coward and afraid to try it. I won't deny that because, uh, well, I find that it takes an enormous amount of courage for me to just use these medicines, uh, even the ones I know about. And the more experience that I had with them, the more I came to understand their power. So, yes, I am extremely cautious. But that's why I'm still here after 72 years, and uh, far too many of my friends have left this planet, primarily due to bravado and stupidity. So I guess this is just a long way of saying that if you are deeply drawn to one or the other of these sacred medicines, then do your research and follow your heart. But please don't keep on trying one new experience after another just for the thrill of it or to be able to brag to your friends about what a top-notch psychedelic explorer you are. This is really serious work, and hopefully you treat it that way. It isn't a race or a contest. Uh, The work is about consciousness, your consciousness which is the most important possession that you have. Take good care of it, because once you damage your mind, well, there may be no turning back. Now, with that cautionary tale in mind, uh, let's sit back and join Shona and Coyote uh, while they teach us about ways in which peyote is properly used, and 
about its almost miraculous healing power that most certainly is needed today. So this is Shauna Holm, and I am here today and about to have a conversation with a very special woman who I had the privilege of uh, of meeting briefly last summer. Her name is Alyssum Old Coyote, and she was the uh, roadman for an all-women's peyote ceremony through the Native American church that I had the great privilege of participating in last summer, and it was really, really, really amazing, incredibly healing, and uh, and, and, and not easy. It's, it's an all-night ceremony, and I, I just, I learned so much that night, and I, I, I shared with the group that I, I, I came there, I showed up that evening, and the following morning, I left there a better woman, and it is my endeavor now to bring forth the voices of these women who I see are very quietly doing very sacred work with uh, plant medicines that they are approaching in in a very, very sacred way and, and I think a very different way than a lot of people approach these medicines. And so, uh, uh, and Alyssa has told me that she does not want to be labeled as, as, as anything. In other words, she doesn't want me to identify her as a medicine woman or, you know, road man. She thinks of herself as a woman of prayer, and she is looked upon as a leader in her community, but she doesn't see herself as that. Uh, she had told me she does not want to be in any kind of position where she is higher or lower than anyone else in her community, but wishes to keep herself as humble as possible. And she is a self-employed uh, master bead worker, and she's a wife, and she's a mother of three children. And so uh, I welcome you, Alyssa, to this conversation. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Let's just begin. I have uh, a number of questions for you, as you know. And, and I want to begin first with, if you could just explain how the peyote ceremony is is done, and, and we'll start there. Um, <clears throat> okay. Every fireplace is different, and every person is different. So could, could you explain what a fireplace is? Um, well, there's many different fireplaces. Um, I don't know too many of them, but there mm-hmm. are fireplaces all across the United States, all across Canada, Mexico, all over. Um, how we do ceremonies up here is way different from how they do it down in Mexico and South America, where this ceremony originated from. Um, but for my teachings, from what my dad passed on to me, um, is we gather in a group <clears throat> and we sit there and we humble ourselves and we sacrifice our sleep and our comfort all night for the for the prayer for whatever it is that we're praying for and we have the one that sits up front behind the medicine and it's not really what comes from that meeting doesn't come from that particular person that person opens themselves up and becomes like a vessel 
and the medicine works through them, and that's how we talk to the ancestors and stuff is that that person up there that sits up there is, you know, my dad always says, um, be a hollow bone, you know, uh, don't work from your mind, work from your heart, just follow your heart and be that hollow bone so those old ones can speak to you. And so then they have helpers, which is drum chief, and the drum chief is the one that carries the heartbeat, the one that keeps that prayer alive and that ceremony alive throughout the night by using their drum kettle. And um, it's a connection to Mother Earth, from what I understand it, is we use those different elements, the water and then the skin. And so you're kind of bringing nature into, um, bringing nature to life in there. And then you have the, <clears throat> then you have the theater person that sits on the left side of the person that's sitting behind the medicine. And they are the ones that use those, that theater, those herbs to keep the air clear in there so the spirits can work, can do their work that they come, that we ask them to come in there and do. And <clears throat> so if there's like, something really intense going on, then they put cedar down. Or if there's some somebody's having a hard time, they put cedar down for them because cedar is, from what I understand it, is a cleansing herb. It's a cleansing tool that we, um, that we use. And then we have the, the fireman. And the fireman is the one that... They say that the fireman is the one that runs the meeting. The guy that sits up, the roadman, let's say, sits up there and is doing the spiritual work. As for the fireman, sits directly across from him, and he works with that fire. And it has always been taught to me that fire, it collects, collects the negativity in the world and turns it into good. The light brings the negativity towards it. People give their negativity to it. And it builds the fire up, and the fire turns it into light, so we can see. The fire turns it into warmth, so we can be comfortable. Um, so the fire is like a major tool, and it like switches it around for us and turns negativity into good. Helps us out, heals us through its warmth, through its heat. Um, and the fireman, like, does most of the work, pretty much, I think, in my opinion. Because he works on that fire, he keeps that fire clean as well as the grounds around. If you go to a meeting, you'll notice that the fireman and the doorman are always sweeping. They're always cleaning. They're always getting stuff for the roadman, for the drummer, for the for the senior man. Um, going in and out of the teepee or in and out of the circle. And uh, <laughs> so the fireman is a really big job. And he has a helper the doorman, and the doorman is the one that watches that door. Whatever comes in that door and goes out that door, that it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to word that, but kind of kind of has the, has to go through the doorman first, you know. So the doorman is like a protector, kind mm -hmm. of a, a keeper of, you know, make sure that everybody's all right from whatever he or she lets in or out of that door, and also is the one that goes around and collects the wellness, takes it out, you know, 
back to watches whatever goes out that door. And then there's the sponsor, the person that we're all there for, or the family that we're all there for. And we do all this work, and we <clears throat> we work together as one for this particular prayer, for this particular family, to make sure that whatever it is that they're asking for, that there is a good, clear way for them to ask for it. Um, and so then there's also that good, clear way for their prayers to get answered, for them to get some kind of showing or something to help them out, some kind of healing. Um, and then there's the supporters, I guess you could say, the supporters of the friends and family, the relatives that come, and then they fill up the empty seats all around. And they all pray together as one to that fire with that medicine for that family. So it's like their support to be there just to help make things happen. It's not, um, from what I'm understanding, is that it's not just one person or one group of people. It takes a whole meeting to make this happen. So every mm -hmm. single person is just as important as the next. Mm -hmm. um, my father-in-law, he, he always says that the newcomers are the blessing because we're in there praying, we're in there trying to encourage, we're in there trying to make a better way for the future. And so the new ones that come in are the blessing because they're the ones that we're praying for to come in. So we can, you know, make our circle that much stronger. That's so beautiful. That's so incredibly beautiful. And, and, and the whole, the idea that the entire group is essential, every single person is essential to that happening, I think is, is, is profound. And uh, I recall also when we did the ceremony last summer, and it was, I believe, 55 women in this, this huge teepee. There were also, I, I, I remember, a small group of men outside, and and I believe they were there as our, uh, in, a, in some kind of protective uh, function. Is that correct? Through the night, they stayed up. Um, I believe so. I'm not. I'm not quite sure on that. That was like a last minute thing. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, that that was really nice. And I also loved how in the morning at the end of the ceremony, uh, food was brought in. And I know that that has uh, symbolism as well. Could you speak to that as well, to the sharing of that food and what each dish represents? From my understanding is that the morning food is the food that represents the different spirits, the different elements. The water that comes in is the water of life. And actually, there's a woman that comes in right before the food comes in, and she is the morning water woman. And her prayer is that she brings in that water, and she takes the whole night, the whole night, the whole prayer and everything, and she puts it into that water so each and every one of us can take a piece of that home with us, so each and every, so it can actually touch each and every one of us in some sort of way. Um, and so then she brings the the water back in with the food, and it's the water of life. It's your connection to Mother Earth. 
my my family always was taught you wake up in the morning you drink water so you could always keep your connection to your mother always keep your connection to your ancestors <clears throat> it's the giver of life it's it gives life <laughs> and then the corn is for your mind it's to help your mind strengthen your mind help you to think um i've heard many different times that if you get bored or if you're confused to eat corn mm. and so the corn like strengthens your mind and how your mind works um and then the meat is for um the physical being your strength your physical body um keep you strong to keep you healthy to keep you going um the berries are for um joy to bring mm. sweetness to your world they're just to bring the laughter the happiness the the kids are usually thought of when the berries come through um and then i've also heard many times is that um actually growing up what i heard was that this food is medicine that comes in to honor and respect the world the World War 2 vets um because there's a lot of World War 2 vets that died out there in the field and there was nothing there was no service there was no funerals they weren't brought home to their families and they were just left out there mm-hmm. and so i've heard that they bring those foods in to honor them to honor what they've done for not only this country but the future of this country. Um and there's a whole story that goes along with that through my uncles. And so but one of the things that I really like is that he uses that um those berries for sweetness to keep your connection with the natural sweetness of the world and um when back in the day when native babies were born first thing they would do was inject them with sugar water and that broke their connection to that natural sweetness of you know like nature and everything who, who injected them um the nurses the hospitals uh uh-huh uh-huh and so and then uh, so he uses those berries to keep the sweetness to bring the sweetness back to keep that connection mm. with everybody and then mm. the meat was um whenever they started giving out vouchers they started giving out commodities and stuff they took our meat away our elk our deer our buffalo they took it away and they gave us salted pork so when we bring that meat in it's to keep our old ways alive keep our old connection um and then they replaced our corn with flour okay. and then they replaced our water with like juices and coffee and alcohol and so these are all just like these foods are for like connections and there's so many different ways to describe them there's so many different ways different beliefs that come along with these um those are just a couple that that I follow that I keep in my heart <laughs> well that's it's it's just so it's so beautiful um and 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 speaking of that beauty I wanted to also have you speak to because I remember through the night uh each woman would take a turn singing and she would sing like four songs. Could mm-hmm. could you speak to that as well because that was that was incredible. 
from <clears throat> my understanding, these songs are prayers. And so music, um, even in church today, well, church today is still ancient, but even um, it's like rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in your your higher entity, your higher power. Um, you make noise, joyful noise, to invite whoever it is that you're calling, your ancestors, spirits, the, you know, the ones from the old world. And so these prayers, each song, um, there are certain songs that are for certain things. Like sometimes there's healing meetings, sometimes there's meetings for sadness, for joy, for celebration, for birthdays. And then they have different songs for each and every one of these. For ceremonies, there's um, there's the opening songs that clears the way, clears the air, and then they also call the certain spirit helpers to come and help. Um, and then there are certain songs for, like, when you bring in the water, there are certain songs that you sing to make a way for that water to come in safely, to make a way to where whoever it is bringing in that water is coming in a safe way, that they're okay. Um, and then there's closing songs where it wraps everything up, where you give thanks and you safely send those spirits, those helpers, those old back to uh, wherever it is that they came from. And so there's before midnight is straight songs, open songs, and then after midnight you can start singing morning songs. And they're usually songs that are like greeting the day, you're saying good morning, you're giving thanks for your family, your children, your life. Um, but each and every person like goes back to what I was saying before, um, how each and every one of us in that ceremony is just as important as the next because each and every one of us does a certain thing to make the prayer possible. Mm -hmm. And singing is one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm struck by that also just because, you know, we don't do that anymore. I mean, you know, most, many cultures have lost that entirely. And, and I think even uh, maybe one or two generations ago, people sang more you know, and, and mothers would sing to their children and, and children would sing. And I just, I just, I don't see that so much anymore. And it also calls to mind, uh, like a joy, uh, and, 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 and like a celebration of, of, of life. And, uh, song is, uh, is very potent. It's very sacred. And, uh, and yeah, I was really, I could feel my own, uh, impoverishment, <laughs> uh, in, in terms of, you know, I'm not around that at, hardly at all, right? And so that, that ceremony last summer, this, this, the songs were, were just so beautiful, you know, they really stayed with me. Um, so in terms of, well, actually, tell me, so what, what, uh, what is your your tribal heritage? Could you speak to that real quick? I am Cree of Saskatchewan over and um my dad was born and raised in Minnesota mm -hmm. and I'm English 
on my dad's mm-hmm. side. I'm Korean English okay. on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, I am Stolo of Chilliwack, Canada, B.C., mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Filipino. Okay, wow. Um, now, I recall a story, um, you'll have to tell it, about how when your father started this fireplace, that did he not have to also speak with the elders, uh, and uh, and was he told uh, that he, they didn't want white people invited to the ceremonies, but were, but he chose to open it to them? Is that correct? My dad was um, my dad. Okay, <laughs> I myself was raised AIM. American Indian Movement, and mm-hmm. it, we fought and we still fight the government for Native American rights, for our right to belong, for our water, for our right to do ceremonies, for our land, for, you know, just just to belong, because there was a time where they, where the government, when they came here, they saw us as savages. They saw us, they put us lower than animals. Mm-hmm. called us uncivilized, called us mm-hmm. all kinds of things, looked at us that way, and so kind of created a picture for us. And it, when it was really bad, my dad um, and my mom were activists, and they did a lot of marches. They did a lot of protests. And my dad grew up in a boarding school, and he, you know, he... He still has scars. He still has, he still suffers from the trauma from those places. My so these mom, were the boarding, I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, listen, these were the boarding schools that they sent these Native American children to, where they were yeah. pretty egregiously yeah. abused. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was, um, they had to cut his hair. He got beat every time he spoke his language. He, they pretty much beat his tradition out of him. Mm-hmm. And so, and then my mom, she never went to boarding school, but she went to missionary school. And being a young Native girl back then, it was really, really hard for her as well. She felt like like she was just disgusting, like she was just, you know, not not amongst the other kids. Like she was an outcast. She was just, um, it was very traumatic for my parents. And so whenever they were... Um, really active in the ceremonies. They kept it as Native only. And Mm -hmm. because, not because they're racist, not because they're against anybody or any race, it's because of what they've been through in their life. So Mm -hmm. they needed to to feel safe. They needed to make sure that they were getting their point across to their children, to their grandchildren, to make sure that they were heard. And so they wouldn't have to feel any kind of way but security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, that's, that got really misunderstood because they were so Native only, Native only, so it got really misunderstood and really twisted, but um, it, it is what it is. <laughs> it's understandable and it's for myself for seeing them on a daily basis and hearing their voices on a daily basis, it really touches a place close to my heart, inside my heart, because, you know, that's, 
here we are trying to create world peace, here we are trying to create all these things, you know, but mm-hmm. at the same time, those things happened. And those things that happened are really, really intense, and so they're going to stick with a person for life. Mm-hmm. So we can't forget about that just because mm-hmm. we want it to be another way. We can't forget about how it used to be. And so when my dad, my dad has um, health issues, physical health issues, so he quit sitting up. Um, he quit doing the ceremonies. And um, whenever I decided to come back to the real world, <laughs> um, to start cleaning up and getting sober and getting clean and everything, um, my dad passed the fire, the family fireplace on to me. He gave me the bundle. He gave me, pretty much talked to me and told me that, you know, it's time for me to start picking it up because he can no longer do it. So I need yeah. to pick up where he left off. And so I really, we really had a long talk about it. And um, I told him that, you know, I understand I didn't want him to feel disrespected or anything. And so, but I wanted to open it to everyone because Mm. I want the world to be humble. I want the world to Mm. work together as one because our world is dying. Our Mother Earth is dying. And if we are just in separate separate groups, then it's going to be a a lot harder for us to lift her up, to help heal her, to work together. And so I wanted to not only touch my Native American heritage, but every other heritage out there in the world, because we all share the same home. We all live on the same earth, no matter if our ancestors came from that side or that side or up there or down there or wherever. It's all still our home, and so I want to make it possible for everybody to pray together, for everybody to not necessarily hear, it's open to you now, so this is your ceremony, this is where you come from. No, not not like that, more of, mm-hmm. here's a piece of my life, here's a piece of my heritage, of my history, my ancestry, to share with you, to share with each and every one of you. To, so maybe it can do something for you that it's done for me. Maybe mm. it can do something for you that it's done for my family. Mm. Um, kind of caring for one another, you know, like if mm. I go to a Buddhist temple, they're going to smile at me and they're going to welcome me in. If mm. I go I go to church every Sunday, every time I show up at that door, they smile at me and let me in. And so if somebody wants to come to my church or my heritage's church, I want to do the same thing. Come on in. Come on. Let's work together. Let's be one people because we've separated for long enough. And I want a good future for my children. I want a good future for my children's children and so on and so forth. And so, therefore, I want to teach them to work together as a whole and to not have to feel that pain, feel that hurt, see that anger, see that hatred that I have lived with my whole life. I've had people spit at me. I've had people call me everything under the sun. I've had people throw things at me. I've been cornered by the National Guard, by police of all different places and sizes. And so it's like if we're going to start, if we're going to make this world a better place, then we need to be better ourselves. 
Mm. The fighting has to stop. The healing mm-hmm. needs to start. My mm-hmm. mom um, has told me for some time now that the time for suffering is over. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to think about that and I'm going to figure out how I can get that out there in the world by example. So I myself need to stay as humble as possible to show everybody my thought on it. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Well, sweetie, so you you were the one who initiated the the opening of that ceremony then to to outsiders, essentially. Oh, wow, wow. Wow, well, thank you. You changed my life. (laughs) It's quite something, and I want to share with the people who are listening that the, the prayer for that particular ceremony was for the empowerment of women to go out into the world and heal. And, uh, and, and, and I really, really left holding that prayer and I still hold that prayer. And, and that is my, my beauty walk. And, uh, I just, I just can't tell you how, how profound that was for me. And, and so you talked about kind of cleaning up your act here and then, and then coming in to very serious holding of this medicine and this ceremony. What effect would you say the uh, the medicine has the medicine had on your life? And when I ask you, I, I think this is really it is it seems to be a combination of both the medicine and the ceremony that would have that effect. Would you agree? Mm, yeah, in some cases, some cases, some like yeah. Sometimes I need to actually be in the ceremony. I need to be with the other people that are praying. Mm-hmm. And then there are some times where I can just sit down myself and look at my medicine and instantly have that connection. Sometimes I can just stop in my tracks and just close my eyes and just just start praying. And then the medicine comes to me and I instantly have that connection. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes, I guess it's on how I feel myself. How strong do I feel at that moment in time? Okay, and and what, how has it affected your life? How did it affect my life? Um, Let's let's preface that, sweetie. First of all, let's preface it and say, when was your first, how old were you when you first experienced the medicine? Start there. Uh, I was like six or seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom had gotten sick with cirrhosis of the liver. And so my uncle and my auntie came down, um, and ran services here at my mom and dad's house. And all of us kids had to go upstairs because it was an intense meeting. It was a healing meeting and they didn't want kids in there because maybe they would catch something or, mm. you know, to keep the kids protected. They mm-hmm. wanted us upstairs. And the whole time I was upstairs, I just felt out of place. I just felt weird, and I was just, I mean, all the kids were around me playing and having fun, and I was just kind of sitting there. And and so I would I would sneak downstairs, and every time, like, I was down there peeking around the corner, I like, I felt normal. I felt like I was where I should be. And then pretty soon I just quit going back and forth and I just sat there and I just listened and 
I paid attention and I just felt it. And it just like the medicine was just calling me down there. Mm-hmm. And then I um, stayed with the medicine for a long time um, as a child. Um, I would sleep in there. I'd have my birthdays in there. Um, I just followed my dad all over. Everywhere he went, everything he did, I followed him and paid attention and watched. And, and then when I was about when I was about 19 or 20, I fell into that that dark world. I started using drugs and I started drinking a lot. And I um, then I walked away whenever I started doing all that, I walked away from it completely. I didn't go to any meetings. I didn't sing any songs. I didn't, I just walked away from it. I put it down. And I would say seven years ago, yeah, seven years ago, six, seven years ago, I decided to clean up. And what I actually did was I went to my family and I told them I needed help. And, um, my brother took me on what is uh, tribal journeys, canoe journeys, and um, he took me on that one summer, and that just, like, pulled my mind out of everything. And then when I got back from tribal journeys, um, I went back to the fireplace. I went back to the medicine, and I actually went up to my father-in-law's house, and he wasn't my father-in-law at the time. I went up to his house, and... I just, like, pretty much glued myself to him, and I just stuck with him, and it just, I kept getting stronger and stronger every every ceremony I came out of, and for this medicine in myself, this medicine opens a doorway, it's like a key to those locked doors in my own mind, in my own life, the things that I don't want to look at, the things that I don't want to admit to, this medicine opens that doorway for me so I can look at it, so I can let that medicine in and it can take care of me, it can help me, it can help myself healing myself, you know, by letting go, by understanding, Mm -hmm. by, you know. Mm -hmm. And so for this medicine, it is for myself, it's a doorway, It's it's a key to open those things that I refuse to look at myself on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so powerful. And that was what uh, was my experience last summer because I really had to kind of purge a demon, you know. Um, and I was in a relationship that was uh, really uh, not serving and it was doing more harm than good. And uh, and I remember sitting in that teepee and looking into the fire uh, because the woman who had sponsored me who brought me into that ceremony said uh, you know Shannon look into the fire and, and let the peyote speak to you and the medicine brought this piece up for me and it said let us call forth the one in you who is so desperate for love that she thinks she must settle for that and oh did I start crying and 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 the uh Peyote uh, said, you leave that demon here with me. I'll handle that. And it said, and leave every tear with me tonight. 
and, uh, and, 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 uh, and then it said you belong in the TV with the women, you know, and, and, and let them sing your healing and you send your, you send in your healing. Uh, just, it just, you know, called me into that, uh, into the energy, that incredible healing energy of that circle. I mean, it was, it was extraordinary. I mean, I, and I was healed the next day. I was done. I was complete. And, and, uh, that has been, and I think for a lot of people, you know, who look to sort of relationship to, to, uh, complete them in some way. And, uh, many of us make a mess <laughs> in doing so. And, uh, and I just, I just so, it was just a very profound healing, I, I, I must say. And, uh, and there were other stories that the women were sharing of other people having, uh, similar healings with regard to other kinds of addictions and, and that kind of thing. I mean, it is just, you know, that medicine is not to be underestimated. And, and I'm also struck when you share about the power of family and really the power of a tribe, and so you get into trouble in some way, and 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 thank goodness, then your family is there, and they open themselves and welcome you back, and 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 help you to heal. I mean, that's just that's so profound, and 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 really in sharp contrast to, you know, I, I just have noticed such a decimation of the family over the course of these past probably 20, 30 years. You know, all these are broken families and people at odds. And the power of of the family, you know, when you stay close like that is uh, profound. And speaking of, of which, could you share some of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the very important teachings that you received from your father around the sacred use of, of the peyote medicine? Um, I learned so much from my dad and my mom, and the ones that really helped me and really get me to my next step is they always told me to to use my heart, to think with my heart, to see with my heart, to feel with my heart, um, and whatever comes out of doing those things to not be afraid. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's pretty much how I do it. I just go for it. I just follow my heart, and I just don't be afraid. I trust in myself of what what I see, what I am hearing, what I am feeling. I trust in it, and I go with it. And, yeah, because there was a time where I didn't trust myself where I didn't I freaked out everything that I saw everything I felt everything I heard and whenever I you know stopped being like that and I started listening to my mom and dad it like just brought me to a whole different level to a whole different place in myself in in you know in the world and so it's just yeah, to just trust it. Don't don't be afraid of it because that medicine is not here. Those old ones are not here to scare you, to hurt you, to lead you wrong. They're here to help you. And sometimes the help that you need is hard. It's difficult. It hurts. It's scary. 
And so, therefore, to just go for it and you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, you held that ceremony with, I, I was struck by the dignity and, and, and the integrity. I mean, you could feel it. You could feel it. I mean, you you were so fully present. It was really quite something. Really quite something. Uh, so this is maybe a silly question, but I, what is the purpose of sacred plant medicine in your estimation? I mean, what, what do you think really is the purpose of that? You've, you've spoken to it a little bit, but I, I want to hear a little more. I consider it a tool. I consider mm -hmm. it a doorway, a key. Uh, whenever we were put on this earth, we didn't have screwdrivers. We didn't have knives. We didn't have phones, computers. We didn't have light switches. We didn't have electricity. When we were sent to this earth, we had the tools that we needed to survive. And it was water, it was food, it was shelter, it was, you know, from the trees, the animals, the streams, the lakes, the the rivers, the mountains, the the forests and bushes, everything was, it all played together to help us survive, to help the animals survive. There's a purpose for everything. And so I see these plants as our tools that keep us connected to that old world so we don't get distracted by the modern day life, the modern day technology. It helps us remember and remind ourselves that we don't need money. We don't need electricity. We don't need alcohol, drugs. We don't need cars. We don't, we don't need all these fancy pretty things because we have everything that we need. Whenever Creator created us and sent us to this world, she gave us everything that we needed. And so, therefore, to make that connection, we use the herbs. We use the medicines of the earth. We still use those waters, those foods. We use not only the holy sacrament, but we use cedar, sage, lavender. We use you know the different the different elements that have been here for many many years before us. Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I I see this as almost like two worlds. There's the world of the unreal, which is this, the commercial world we live in. I mean, really, it's all construct, isn't it? It's all mental construct. And then there is the world of the real. And that is nature. And in nature, she's, she's abundant. And, 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 and there's no such thing as lack in nature. And there's a cure for everything in nature. But in the world of the commercial, the quote-unquote civilized world <laughs> that we live in, there's no profit in cures. And there's certainly no profit in peace, is there? Because war is big business. Yeah. And then lack is totally manufactured totally manufactured because you know, right, you, you, you plant a few uh, kernels of, 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 you plant corn seeds and you end up with so many ears of corn or, or anyone who's had a garden, you know, you end up with more lettuce than you can eat or you plant a fruit tree and you've got more trees than more fruit than you can eat, right? I mean, like, that's nature. That's the real world. That's creator's world. Mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah, I so see that. Um, what about the rest of your community? What would you what what effect would you say the medicine has had on your community in your observation? Um like what do you mean, Mike? Well, in terms of uh you know, just observing people who come to the ceremony and and uh take the medicine and 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 how that affects their, their lives. Um just any sort of significant observations you might have in terms of what this has done for other people? It's uh, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. It has a pretty intense impact. It has a pretty deep, solid impact. Um, like for myself, it's it keeps me um, it keeps me myself. It keeps me away from that dark world because I fell into that dark world really deep like um, all I had was my drugs I walked away from my family my kids my life everything I quit my job everything and all I had was my dope Mm. and I like fell in love with it I had this connection or not this connection but this relationship with this dope that was more powerful than anything else in my life because that's all I wanted that's all I had and so, therefore, it helps keep me helps keep me in line, pretty much. Helps me understand things, so I don't go weak, so I don't go back to that dark world. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, the same scenario. He fell into drugs. My auntie called us. We were living in Hawaii at the time, and my auntie called us, and she thought he was going to die. And so mm-hmm. we came over here, and my dad just started feeding the medicine. Just kept giving him medicine. And now my brother is a community leader. He's, he's, um, he created a canoe family, um, called Sacred Water. He goes around and what Sacred Water is, is they gather and they sing for the people because he loves to sing. And so he goes around all, all over the states, all over Canada and he sings for just families, for funerals, for weddings, for birthdays, for he just, him and his little family, they just go around and they just give give back. <laughs> and it was, um, the medicine played a big part in that. Mm-hmm. My dad, he deals with a lot of hurt and pain from his childhood, from mm-hmm. the things that happened to him growing up. And that medicine helped him deal with that. So he mm-hmm. doesn't give in to that. Um, with my mom, we found out that she had cirrhosis of the liver. And they told her that she had like three months to live before it took her life. And then my uncle came down and did that service for her here. And here, 20 years later, she's still standing strong. She's huh. still She's still just going for it. And the doctors, they don't really understand because it hasn't gotten worse and it hasn't gotten better. It's like it just got frozen in time. And it mm-hmm. just, it's just there, but it's not really affecting her and it's not really not affecting her. They don't know how to explain it. but And so it's awesome. And um, my other sister, she got cancer a year or two back in her thyroid. And... Um, she quit eating medicine a long time ago 
but I did, um, well, me and my husband and my family, we did a ceremony for her, um, and we put up the teepee and just ate medicine and just prayed for her to to be okay, and then here she sits here today, cancer-free. And oh, so, really? Yeah, and so it's like, it's it's... It's different for each and every story, and I've heard mm-hmm. many times that people have walked into ceremonies with so much pain that they can't hurt or they can't walk, so much mm-hmm. pain that they can't do certain things, and then they walk out of that teepee, you know, mm-hmm. just fine. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this medicine, it's it's really intense. It's really healing. It's not something to play with. It's not something to abuse. It's not something to just, you know, like just overlook, like, oh, it's just peyote. Oh, it's just, you know crazy hippies are eating their peyote again. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that. It's, it's really life-changing for certain individuals. And the medicine is it's not here for everyone. So it's not like something that you really want to push on to somebody either. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. you just be gentle with it, and it will be gentle with you. Okay, so that's a good foray into my next question, was how do you think uh, these plant medicines like peyote should be approached and do you think a ritual context is is necessary i think if you're going to use it in a spiritual way then you should know what you're doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you should have somebody there even if you're a newcomer and you've never done it you've never experienced that you should still have somebody there to guide you through it so Mm -hmm. you don't get hurt so somebody else doesn't get hurt and and what do you mean by get hurt like you can get your feelings hurt, you can get spiritually sick, you can um, you can offend somebody, you can, you know, you don't want to be disrespectful to anybody's teachings or ways or. Mm-hmm. And and then I just um, I'm just curious to know uh, if, if what your thoughts are on on this growing interest of Westerners toward these. Medicines. I mean, clearly you you seem very supportive of that, and that you have, you know, opened your fireplace to people like myself. Uh, but there is quite a quite a growing number eh, of these people who are seeking out not just the peyote, but you know, we hear of the ayahuasca, and then you know, I've worked with the mushroom, and and uh, what what do you think that is saying? I don't really know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Here, you know, here's what I, I mean, I, my sense is uh, in this culture we're in, uh, this uh, society, I, I see people, many people, as, as so spiritually impoverished and certainly uh, what is given to us by our media, our governments, uh, is so devoid of any true meaning and, and, and so... I think people are reaching for something very deep to uh, touch something that we each of us carries, right, that, that is not being addressed in this uh, modern culture. And I think the plant medicines are so, well, first of all, I see them, the plant medicines, by the way, not something made in a laboratory. I know that's a whole other discussion. Um, and I'll say real quick, you know, my feeling about that is I don't eat food made in a laboratory. I want my food out of the ground. And the same with, um, you know, the sacred medicine that I, I, I work with as well. 
But uh, I, I see these medicines as ancient teachers, and, and they're a mystery. They're a mystery. I mean, uh, scientific laboratories can reduce them all they want to what they think, you know, the main property is in there, but but it is it is uh, an ancient feature and, and I think this is uh what many, many people are, are, are seeking, you know, some uh, a, a deeper they want a deeper uh experience. They want to touch something more profound. And I think they want that because we all carry that. You know, it's just it's not acknowledged in this society, so so that's that's where I'm at with with that, and uh, it, it, well, and also you know, uh, I think you know that the native cultures who do work in a sacred way with these medicines, they are still holding that beautiful light, and so so more and more people are coming to them for for help for healing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and 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 do you do you get a, a number of uh, out? I hate to say outsiders, but you, you know what I'm saying. Sort of more sort of Western people attending these ceremonies. Have you noticed? Um, yeah. Over the years, there's been mm-hmm. more and more. And and have you uh, had an opportunity to speak with them or hear from them in terms of 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 how they were affected by the experience? No, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> well, well, I, I see this is, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, you sharing like this because I, I, I must say, you know, uh, it's people who do the, this beautiful work, I find are you know, fairly elusive, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm really grateful to have you share in, in this way. And and uh, is there anything else you would, before we close, that you feel you would like to share with with, uh, with people who will be listening to this? No, not really. Just follow your heart and be human. <laughs> Well, that is uh, very sound advice, my dear. And speaking of sound, uh, you posted yourself on Facebook the other day singing a morning song, and it was in, in your native language, and it was so beautiful. And would you would you maybe close this uh, uh, interview with uh, a morning song in your language? I would love that. Yeah, I can do that. Um... Right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, this song was taught to me by my cousin, um, and he said it's, you're asking Father Medicine, Grandfather, to come down and help us. Mm-hmm. So you're saying good morning to Grandfather, and you're asking Grandfather to look upon us and help us this morning. So, uh... Must give me once in my yana, hey, nay. Must give me once in my yana, hey, nay. Must give me once in my yana, hey, nay, you ain't. No, I went on, kiss him, I saw, we know, you know, hey, nay. 
Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you very, very much. That was absolutely beautiful. And I know uh, a lot of people are going to very much appreciate what you had to share today. So thank you, and, and have a great day. I really appreciate this. Alrighty. You, you too. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to The Psychedelic Salon where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. If you've ever been to a sacred medicine circle, at least in the tradition that I participated in, a big part of the work actually takes place the morning after the ceremony, when participants sit in a circle and talk about what took place during the night. And if you're familiar with uh, mornings like this, then, well, like me, you probably feel as if you'd been sitting in just such a circle right now. And for letting us join you, I want to thank Shona and Coyote for such a rare treat. One of the things that I hope you picked up at the beginning of this conversation was that these medicine rituals are not fixed in stone, and that they vary from place to place and region to region. This is uh, one of the common themes that I've been hearing from people all over the world. It seems like uh, new rituals are being created every day, which is precisely what is needed, at least in my opinion. Rituals are important. They help us to bring a sense of grounding to these experiences. But our rituals should be ones that make sense to us in in our age and in our own various cultures. We're now just coming to the end of an age where for well over 2,000 years we've been repeating the same rituals over and over. Rituals that no longer have any connection to us or to our cultures. They come from dead civilizations, so I think the day has arrived for each of us to begin creating rituals on our own. I've got a few for just myself. You might want to do the same. Now before I go, I've got a couple of announcements that you may be interested in. First of all, the Ayahuasca World Conference for 2014 is going to be held this month, September 25th through 27th, in Ibiza, Spain. So if you're in that part of the world, I wouldn't miss that if I were you. A little closer to home, for those of us who are currently living in the States, will take place on October 10th to 12th in New York City. The uh, Horizons Perspectives on Psychedelics Conference returns again in uh, this October. This has actually uh, now become one of the premier annual conferences held in the States each year, and if you are in or near the New York City area, you may want to check it out. And uh, finally, for people like me who are fans of Joe Rogan's podcast, On October 13th, which is uh, just three weeks from today, Joe's guest is going to be our own Bruce Damer. And uh, I've got an idea of some of the things that Bruce hopes to bring up during the program, and, uh, well, I think that you're going to want to tune in for sure. I know that I'll be listening. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends.